0: Are you able to hear that? I can hear the cat purring. Yes, that's what I was. <laughs> that's because he's perilously close to my. F- you head. know, I'm.
1: I'm. Uh, we're about to get a cat, This is what I've got to look forward to. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're,
0: you, you, you've been taken and you've been taken good. <laughs> 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 well, thank you for that vote of confidence, Ed. <laughs> well, no, it, 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 it's it's, in long, you're, you're it's it's a long-term positive thing, but you're still basically owned now,
2: sorry. Hello and welcome to the AV Forums podcast for the 12th of November 2014 and joining me on this edition are Assistant Editor, Steve Withers.
1: Ages three and up. It's on my box. I'm not supposed to be babysitting Princess Drew.
2: News Editor, Mark Hodgkinson.
3: Wine the Frog.
2: Games Editor, Mark Botwright. Fastest knobs in the West. And
0: Audio Reviewer, Ed Selly. Nothing that concerns you, Spaceman. Just us toys.
2: Okay, and we're back for uh, another podcast. It is the 12th of November. We're getting close to the middle of the month already. Where has this year gone? This time next year I think we're going to be super excited though because uh, we'll be getting ready for episode 7 and uh, just this week the title for that film was announced and the title being um, Mark. <laughs>
3: okay. Don't ask me cause I don't know it. <laughs> <laughs> Something to do with the fourth waking up.
2: <laughs> <laughs> nice to see you're awake and paying attention, Um the proper title is somebody.
1: Force Awakens. That's close. Yeah.
0: Not Podcast episode so six. Very... Mark <laughs> Awakens. <laughs> so very tired.
2: Well, it's that awful. that was a that was a Star Trek. Um... Yeah, listen,
0: Star Trek was it. Star Trek Nine. No, so very tired. <laughs> hmm.
1: The thing is, if it's awakening, has it been asleep? And if it's been asleep, why? And what's it been doing? What's been going on? We're going to need another film to explain what's been going was, on before this film comes. Was
2: out. it drunk? Had it been in a fight? Did it get out the right side of bed? Had it hit the snooze button three or four did, times? Did Luke go a for a
1: very long sleep? Uh, <laughs>
0: you know, has he been a bit tired recently? But I thought that the three terrible prequels had explained that it was just a parasite anyway. So all of these parasites have been asleep and have woken up en masse. Maybe very, they're like cicadas. Very
2: true. very true. What were they called? Uh, uh, midichlorians. Oh, yeah. So the midichlorians have all been asleep for the yeah. last 30 years.
1: Something like that. It's interesting that the uh, sort of when they po- when he announced it last week, the poster or sort of the graphic they created had Star Wars: The Force Awakens and no Episode Seven, which is in line with the way the original films of or posters work, with Star Wars or Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back, no Episode this or that. So um, again, J.J. Abrams seems to be very much targeting the original trilogy as his touchstone and ignoring largely the prequels.
0: Well, wouldn't a, come on, why is approach you? Yeah, yeah, no, totally, yeah. Um, do we know if Harrison Ford's fixed yet? Yeah, Has he, they finished
1: did... shooting. They finished shooting last week. Oh blimey! Well, not oh blimey, because they have only got eleven, twelve, thirteen months to do all the effects in. <laughs> they better get their fingers out. Oh, there'll be somebody
2: sitting by an Armstrad and a Sinclair ZX <laughs> Spectrum. They'll get it done.
0: I mean, I have to say, the title doesn't change anything. I'm still uh, almost completely indifferent. Uh, that doesn't mean to say I I won't go and see it, but the, the, I I just can't summon up any great
2: i am deliberately Mm. not getting involved or interested or looking or and this is a good example of why i remember 99
4: Mm. i i care i just care in in the sense that i want to see where it's going i'm not going to put too much hope on this one um i think it'll just kind of give us an idea of the direction they're heading in i think the problem is that there's there's never really been a kind of a concerted effort to just kind of leave jedis aside for a bit it's now kind of everything's about the force and i think it's it's the more they kind of explore that the more it kind of turns it into a bit of a kind of kids franchise because they're now kind of so powerful that it's just a case of really the force awakens you know so so what was it before i
1: still i still think that there's some interesting stuff going on because you've got this film coming out next year. Then in the year after that, they're doing a standalone film, which, as Mark just said, you know, might might not involve Jedi's or the Force or anything like that. Could be something to do with Boba Fett or whatever. So that that shows potential for doing something in the Star Wars universe that isn't necessarily directly related to the Star Wars films, which I think would be quite good fun. And it's being directed by Gareth Edwards, who made Monsters and Godzilla. So there's potential there. Then we've got the next. Star.
0: It'd be about accountants or <laughs> a long. The time accountant ago the on galaxy, the Death Star. Yeah, a long time yeah. ago, in the galaxy far, far away, we dealt with planets. Permission and boundary disputes, or
2: tax and trade disputes, was it not? That was was really exciting.
0: Yeah,
1: (laughs) Uh, but then the next uh, year is is a second, is episode eight, which has been directed by and written by Ryan Johnson, who again is a good filmmaker. Did Looper and Brick and The Brothers Bloom?
4: But do you think that anyone's going to be if they keep kind of switching things around like this? It's it's a nice idea to keep it fresh, but I just worry that each one's going to try and outdo the last. And in a, in a sense, almost kind of end up with the same story, you know, kind of oh no, will the Jedi's pull through? Yes, they will. You know, I, I really, I really hope they will go off and do something, the kind of like a Rogues trilogy or something. Just stick to bounty hunters and that kind of thing, you know. Just explore some of the other characters and then keep. I mean, them that's fresh. the idea.
1: That is the plan. I mean, if oh, yeah, you look at the way Marvel have planned out their movies, that are, you know, and Disney to a large extent have left Marvel to their own devices to to do what they want to do, and it looks like they're doing the same thing with Lucasfilm. Um, you know, the, the the Marvel movies have been largely very good and they've gone in some interesting direction. Guardians of the Galaxy, which has been the most successful film in the US so far this year and one second most successful film worldwide, you know, it was a very different total departure from what they've been doing previously. And I thought it was great fun, really enjoyed it. Um, they went very dark on Iron Man 3. Uh, obviously, Avengers was a big hit. Um, Um, the Captain America movie uh, Cylon my uh, my internet connection is totally buggered at the moment Um, all all the time, I think they're in the middle of relaying all the cables for open open reach so much pornography so it might be good (laughs) in the near future but uh, at the moment it's very very iffy
0: I think that some of these Star Wars films should revisit, Uh, I don't know, there was, ages ago there was a cracked article, six Star Wars characters too retarded for film. I think it's time to visit some of these ones. There's something that looks like a cat, which is apparently a Jedi master, called Ikrit. Yeah, I think the the movie world is calling out for that. Uh, There's a gay hut. Oh yeah. uh, uh, An animated talking mountain. That that's a friend of the Ewoks. I mean, all of these things. The, the 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 possibilities are endless. There's something that looks like Bucky O'Hare that was in all of the comics. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think that yeah, each one of, each one of these people deserves their own film. Uh, and something called Uru, which is just a brain.
2: I, I think you should it should be a movie about the contractors on the Death Star. Be...
4: <laughs> Can't we just get by with sticking an exhaust port here?
0: No one will notice. <laughs> Maybe you could deal with, uh, you could do one of the films on uh, just an entire squadron of Tie Fighters, dealing with basically the fact that they appear to be pretty much wiped out every time that they go anywhere near uh, an opponent, and just dealing with the psychological loss of of being completely eradicated every time you take off. Well, I what that... what
2: happened was when when the uh, when they did the clones, the Clone Wars, they didn't they didn't go to spec before they cloned the guy, so. <laughs> So, so they all have a, a, an eye defect, which means that they can never hit the target.
0: Yeah, and and all so, the pilots came from someone with an in ear. Yeah, and the yeah. the guy
2: that they used as the donor for the clones was the henchman from the A team. <laughs>
0: that would explain a lot, certainly.
2: <laughs> uh, so, Hodgie's still not interested.
3: Uh no, well, I am yeah, I like stuff Star Wars, but I've just I just failed to get excited by any of this so far. Maybe as it gets closer, it'll um it'll pique my interest a little bit more, but as it stands i'm I'm just very much waiting to see I'm not gonna uh, not gonna get caught up in it all
2: It's interesting that we're talking about episode seven here. um it doesn't come out till till end of next year. um there's a big final film of a big trilogy happening in about three weeks, four weeks from now. Um, uh, off December it opens. Yeah, and um, nobody's interested. We'll I, any... could not it's not,
1: it's I could not even on the what, What's the
4: film? The Hobbit. Oh right. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <sighs> <God. laughs> I thought it was going to be like twenty questions there for a second. You're blowing in
2: the microphone again, Mark Hodge.
0: Yeah, stop breathing, Hodge.
2: Yeah. Stopped. Uh, yeah, but it is interesting that <laughs> you know you got the final Hobbit film happening and um seems to be very little interest in this in in that one um twitter buzz with episode seven news yet uh, there was a big release of the trailer was it last week end of last week for the the final big trailer for this movie and i've seen very little uh, very little marketing very little interest
0: i just can't get excited in any way shape or form i've still not seen any of them you
2: know. I saw the first three quarters of the first movie, I saw it at a high frame rate, which <laughs> was annoying me. Uh, but not also was it was that annoying me, uh, the sound kept dropping out. Every time it reached a certain level, it was like uh, some kind of clipping device came in and uh, we'd, we'd switch the audio off.
0: Excellent. Yeah, that, that always adds to the immersive nature of film, I find. But um, no, I haven't seen any of them, and uh, another am I. Right. I mean, considering that I think both the, the first two are actually on Netflix, if I could be asked. So it's not like there's any particular difficulty in getting hold of them, but I still can't be bothered. Sorry. <laughs> is this our enthusiasm special? <laughs> <laughs> the team vie to work out what yeah. they could give less of a shit about. But equally, I mean, I, 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 obviously films are taking a back set at the moment. I mean, MasterChef is back on. The professionals, bloody love that. With Bodie we'll and Doyle? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, that, that could have interesting ramifications. Jump all over
4: the, of the bonnet of a car with a walk-in hand. (laughs)
0: but no I thought I love that program I love it Uh, I mean to be honest this is my favourite bit when they've still got people with ideas well above their actual levels of competence so yeah I mean the moment that you actually it's like the X Factor not that I watch that but as you know if you're going to watch any of it you watch it whilst the delusional types are involved you don't actually want people with any degree of competence that doesn't make for good television so although I still think that my idea for farm foods MasterChef is still I think that's got winner written all over it really
4: what was this idea?
0: Well, it, might, it would work exactly like MasterChef does at the moment, but they can only use ingredients from the UK's far from leading frozen food retailer.
2: Okay, and uh, let's move on then. So, competition—we're <laughs> not—we're not doing farm foods. We're not getting sponsored by farm foods. We're, we're not doing. I don't
0: want to be sponsored by farm <laughs> foods. I thought the
4: idea was—I thought you were literally talking farm food, as in they had to butcher it themselves. Well, that would make it for equally compelling television. <laughs> Come in
0: covered in blood no. and crying. Oh, no, no, tomorrow <laughs> night, the um, skills test is to prep a woodcock for, for cooking. For an exam?
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right.
0: Well, no, that involves taking large, large amounts of feathers off and cutting bits of it off. Appar- apparently, that, that, that's quite something to watch. So that, 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 that promises to be quite entertaining.
3: How big is a woodcock? Not very. No, they're not, really. it's
0: not like... No, and game birds are notoriously tricky to prep. Especially if you're trying to keep the skin on, because the easiest thing to do is skin
3: them. Dexter. Hodge should know. All I've done is plucked a pheasant. I've never, <laughs> I've never really done anything else. I'm, not, pheasant. A pheasant. I'm not like that like keen
0: on it. I'm a pheasant plucker's son. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> I'll keep on plucking pheasants till the pheasant plucking's done.
3: Wisely taken at slow speed there. <laughs> <laughs> and sober. And sober. Yeah, well, that's helping
0: as well, isn't it?
2: Right. Competition time. Uh, we have uh, mm, almost the same competitions as we did yeah, on, uh, last last, last uh, week's podcast, but there is a, a new introduction. There's a, uh, two new Blu-rays that you can win. Holy Grail and Meaning of
1: Life, Monty Python Classics. Uh, certainly Holy Grail is... Uh, I'm not so sure about Meaning of Life. I think Meaning of Life underrated.
3: It's got some great songs. It's got
1: some it. funny bits in it, but it's got some shit bits too. I mean, Mr. It's it's Mr. That was really always funny. Python, though, wasn't it? It was, yeah. it was more like uh, but, but I think no, Holy Grails no. fairly consistently funny. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I agree. But... Some bits aren't so good. But, um, but it's still sort of good prizes. I mean, if you're a Monty Python fan, and I think there's plenty of them out there, uh, they're both great films. Um, it's a pity it doesn't include Life of Brian. You'd have to hack all three.
0: <laughs> Once one, again, we're really selling this again, aren't we? You know? Which we we decent. pretty much hit hit the ground stumbling a couple of weeks ago where it's like, Yeah, these films are all right.
3: You just get about yeah. X
1: amount
4: from cash exchange for these.
1: It was it was when we started off with the the Danny Boyle box set, but they weren't the good Danny Boyle films.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Blastrix,
4: goods
1: to the value
0: of <laughs> No cash alternative.
1: Here's what you would have won.
4: <laughs>
1: Speedboat. <laughs> It was always a speedboat, wasn't
0: it? <laughs> well, yeah. If you won, you got the speedboat, and if you didn't win, they showed you a pick- They showed you a car, which went back to the dealership. Really off tracking, to the end of the- I yeah. mean, don't get you-, you. You dodged a bullet because, from memory, it was a Nova Saloon.
2: Yeah, and- it was something like that, or it was an Eldis caravan.
0: Oh yes, of course.
4: I
2: forget
3: <laughs> that. <laughs>
4: Is that the one where they always used to have someone like a uh, with a barbecue set to the side of it, pretending to be cooking on it? Was that <laughs> no, the Generation yeah. Game?
2: Um, uh, the Generation um, Game like. um, and Big Break. Oh, yes, a Generation Game is coming back.
1: Mm, with the Miranda
2: heart isn't it? Oh, gee, that, that's. Oh. I used to like Generation Game. Won't be watching this one.
1: They should just bring
0: Brucey back.
1: On the plus side, she is finishing Miranda, the TV series, so that's good news all round. I
0: think Mister Forsyth can only be used sparingly. He has to be kept on ice now. For <laughs> I, I your...
4: know, but it gives. It's like a new twist on the Deadpool idea. <laughs> <laughs> you can bet by the hour.
3: We have to do it live, then. We have to be live, totally live. To the suspense.
0: Good game. Good game. I'm amazed that Big Break hasn't made a comeback, to be fair. I mean, you know, that, that's low budget. I mean, obviously, <laughs> yeah, the, the, the fact it's UK- was done by Jim no, Davidson. You no, know, that's that, what I'm that. saying.
2: It'll have to be the UKIP sponsored version. <laughs> Jim Davidson. Uh, right, so that's the money pipe. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Ga- Gardens of the Galaxy, uh, NVIDIA, Shield Gaming and Tablet and uh, Battlestar Galactica, all prizes that can be won, uh, go and win them. Right, so let's get back to some of the subject matter that we're supposed to speak about on the podcast and uh, let's get serious for a moment here uh, because Steve um, had a bloke round last week <laughs> uh, yep. to, to nail some stuff and uh, you're going to give us a report.
1: Yeah, I finally got around to putting my uh, overhead speakers up in the home cinema, two at the front, two at the rear. And um, and so I could actually listen to Dolby Atmos uh, with, from the receivers that I was reviewing, which is uh, the Marantz SR7009, the uh, Pioneer SCLX58, and the Yamaha RX-A2040. Um, I've got the Dolby Atmos demo disc, which I believe you also have, uh, Phil. And uh, I have, um, f- for my sins, I have Transformers Age of Extinction. Yay. Yeah. Uh, but anyway, I got a chance to, to finally listen to Matt Moss in the home. And I've got to say, really, really impressed. Uh, I thought the, particularly the demo disc, because it obviously has these nice little trailers and things designed to really show off the format. Um, the, the sense of immersion uh, is quite staggering. Uh, and it really had a wonderfully open, detailed sound with loads of uh you could really pinpoint sounds moving around the room in a way that i'd never been experienced before and i was using i was using a 5.1.4 setup so you know, standard five five surround speakers uh one subwoofer and then four overheads um i learned quickly to set set the uh set it up so that my rear my surround speakers were small and not large because otherwise a <laughs> shed load of bass gets sent through them um and um uh yeah it was really good i mean that that one the the trailer feel that um which is like a, a forest and there's a thunderstorm and that sort of stuff. That sounded amazing.
2: Awaken, I think it's called. awakens is called, cool. that's right, yeah, Awaken. Oh, Christ, I wonder if that's um, what the Force has been watching.
1: <laughs> um, anyway,
2: y- yeah, you say that, uh, what you've got to bear in mind, and I'm not oh, you are bearing this in mind because we've had this conversation, Steve, but... Um, obviously this is a demo disc um it is over the top in terms of using the object-based effects uh because i haven't got an atmos receiver here yet i haven't put speakers up yet Uh, i do have the demo disc i played these trailers and even on a 5.1 system you could notice they were well over the top in terms of how they're mixed um Mm. and and how the spatial effects are used because even on a 5.1 system you could pinpoint where most things were
1: yeah i mean But I also had Transformers. And and in that one, um, you know,
0: interestingly... Because that's uh, very unlikely to be over the top at all. Well, most of it is over the top,
1: yeah. (laughs) Uh, Based based on realism. (laughs) The opening scene involves these spaceships flying over your head and the sounds do go over your head, which was quite cool. But there was some stuff where they were in the cinema um, towards the beginning um, and... um, Mark Warburg's character is, is buying some old junk and cinema projectors, uh, projectors and that sort of stuff. And they're in the, in the auditorium and, and, the, and the echoes and the sense of spatial uh, awareness was, was quite quite pronounced. And you really felt like, you know, you were in a, in a, in a, in a
0: big empty room.
2: <laughs> so you really felt like you were in the cinema, in a cinema,
1: <laughs> in a cinema.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, that was the fourth wall disappearing out the... Uh,
1: uh, I was, I was genuine, and I, I sort of got my girlfriend, and so sat down and said,
0: "Listen to this," and she
1: was going, "That's incredible."
2: Is everybody aware uh, that Stephen has a girlfriend? This is yeah. the third podcast right row that before. he's
1: mentioned it. Now, I'm on a, on a bet to see if I can put one, a comment in, in every podcast, yeah, <laughs> <what's> <laughs> his name was to They <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> <laughs> get her to change the name by default, something. Like. <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, I, th- I thought it'd be interesting to get someone who wasn't aware of Atmos at all at that point, and then demonstrate her and she did say, like. She thought it sounded incredible. And she's yeah seen plenty of well-mixed <laughs> movies <laughs> in that hook cinema,
0: <laughs> carefully. There was Can a pause want... there at the After end of the it... sentence. <laughs> After the install, joking aside, I... I, this is a, 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 you know, struggling to be relevant for possibly the only point in this podcast. So, how easy was the process of getting the four speakers up with a trained professional assisting? Are you happy with the result aesthetically, and are you happy to sit underneath them without yes, constantly looking up?
1: It, it was not. It was relatively easy once like, we got the wood because <laughs> you <we> needed <laughs> pieces. Of, uh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> that again. One, two. Four, two. <laughs> <laughs> planks of wood <laughs> uh, and got them up on the ceiling and then attached the speakers. It was pretty straightforward. Um, and, and now that i finished all the sort of cosmetic bits, it looks very nice. But it's, um, it's, it's on... just
2: in a black room, the stuff, yeah. isn't it? It's, it's not like a living room or anything. It's just a black hole.
1: Well, no, it would never work in a living room. It would look ridiculous. Um, yet then you didn't... I think any kind of... <laughs> realistically in any normal living environment people are going to have to use the upward firing speakers that dolby are pushing which wouldn't work in my home cinema to a degree because there's a lot of um absorption on the you know there's velvet over the walls and ceilings and it would just it would be difficult to bounce sounds off, off the ceiling in that room but uh but in the average living room obviously that would be the preferred approach i think i think mean, most people probably wouldn't want speakers attached to their ceilings uh, i quite like them i think it looks really cool <laughs> but, but that's just me <laughs>
2: Looks Like an 80s nightclub, does it? With the speaker, <laughs> it. actually, yeah, a <laughs> <Yeah, he laughs> to ball, ball, ball in there,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but um, no, I mean, uh, I'd heard demos obviously of Atmos in the cinema and um, at, at Dolby's offices previously, and I'd heard that trailer, for example, A Maze, I'd heard that, um, no, way, sorry, Awaken, um, I'd heard that on um, you know, in a full cinema and also in uh, um, a home cinema setup at Dolby's offices, and, and it sounded Equally as impressive at home. So that made me quite happy that I was listening to something that I, I recognised and remembered.
2: Well, you see, the thing that you, um, I, I remember you banging on a bit at the time after that you had that demo at Dolby's offices was the fact that the speakers go right up to the screen in an Atmos uh, setup. And that gives you, the, the obviously, the, the, the effect that sound does surround you because it's going right up to the speakers. Uh, speakers are going right up to the screen, whereas in a, in a normal cinema or in any other layout, the surround speakers are quite far down the room they're not yep. up by the screen so you'd sometimes get the the illusion would be lost if something went off screen right and then it would it wouldn't go to the side of you, it would it would suddenly be around the back of you depending on where your your rear speakers were positioned. i have to say on that demo disc in a 5.1 system and i'm using dipoles for surround i have to say that that effect was there you know i noticed it uh in that demo piece even though well, you, I don't have that see, you lost the sound or it was quite no, it, that it was actually quite seamless um mm. And obviously, they're using object based uh, mixing techniques there. And it was just a 5.1 system, but obviously, it's based on a 5.1 system, Dolby Atmos, is the same as Aura's based on, on the, the 5.1 or 7.1 platform. So that was interesting. It was interesting to see just how open and spacious the mix was, even on a 5.1 system.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's interesting because you mentioned that to me, uh, I think, on Friday. So I did actually play that disc using a, a non Atmos setup. And you're right. I mean, it does sound pretty really good. In the Atmos setup as well, there's a bit where it does a 360 pan around the room, and it was pretty seamless. I mean, like you were saying, I was using it in a 5.1.4 setup, so I was only really using fronts and then uh, surrounds just to the side and slightly behind the listening position. Uh, and the same with the rear pan too, behind me. I mean, when it was very smooth, and, and you, you didn't feel like you were missing the seven point, you know, the the, the, the speakers that would be the seven you know in a 7.1 system those speakers weren't being used but i didn't notice them not being there which was impressive uh yeah I, i've got to say it, it's i mean i was you know pleasantly surprised and really quite pleased with the results of getting quite excited actually on sunday when i was messing around with it <laughs> you getting wood not in a sexual way <laughs> The hope now is what we really need are some more. Obviously, we need more content.
2: Content is going to um, be king. Yeah.
1: Is, is king, yeah. And at the moment, we've got Transformers, which I could do without. Um, <laughs> well, don't uh,
2: worry. Expendables uh, is next.
1: So. Expendables is coming out, yeah. But uh, yeah, yeah, you, I love, I'd love to sort of hear Gravity in Atmos. Um, that that would be interesting because a very that was a very directional soundtrack anyway. So it'd be really interesting to see how that works as an as an Atmos soundtrack. But um, I think there's now two hundred uh, Atmos. Uh, movies available or have been made at least so there's plenty of content uh, for the uh, studios to choose from if they decide to support the format and put discs out at the moment it's only paramount um, but uh, yeah I, I, I would uh, it's, it's going to come down to content at the end and also I suppose what happens with the the computing formats Um
2: because i I think the other positive that we have to make here Stephen, is a point that i've been trying to labor is that even if you don't have the speakers on the ceiling even if you don't go the full hog from what we've heard from down mixed atmos stuff that certainly on a 5.1 system um there is an an element of improvement there Mm, in the way that the movie is mixed
1: again you know as you pointed out a, a demo and a trailer of the obviously everything's maxed maxed out and they're trying to really show off the format so it depends it's going to come down to ultimately what the sound designers do and how well it's reproduce on disc even in 5.1 but it, i think that it shows the real potential it's certainly you know I, I've, I've watched a lot of films at home i've, I've heard some very good soundtracks and, and i was sitting there thinking like this is really quite impressive and i do feel totally immersed in this in this environment and in a way that perhaps i hadn't felt before and might might be slightly placebo effect on my part you know and, and wanted to make the most of it i just spent two days getting speakers on the ceiling yeah you don't want but, to do um, all that and then sit down and think oh, yeah this is rubbish <laughs> <laughs> i'd have been really upset if that had been the case but i've got to say it was um it was good. And what was interesting was obviously, um, you know, I've got three different receivers, but all of them – and, and got, you can choose different layouts. So, I mean, they're, they're all nine-channel um, apps. So that's why I went for 5.1.4. But, you know, you could also do uh, 9.1.2 f- normal front speakers and then sort of speakers sort of halfway between the front speakers and the side speakers. And then obviously the rear speakers as well, which obviously would be, help even more with that sense of you know seamless panning, and then two speakers above. Or you could do seven point one point four, but obviously you'd need at this point to add an additional two channels amplification. But um, given there were nine channels on the receivers, I went for five point one point four, and I was all, all with all three of them, and and I thought they all performed extremely well with the limited amount of content i currently got. Um, I thought the, I thought of all of them, I was really impressed with the uh, performance of the. The, De- the Marantz, the 7 SR79, which uses Odyssey Audis, uh, MultiQ uh, XT32 uh, room Q. and I thought that one that one sounded particularly uh, impressive. Uh, although all three were good, as I said, uh, one of the things I quickly learned was when setting up the rear speakers, make sure you set them as small, not big, because <laughs> they shove bass through everything. Um, they were kind of rattling and really making some unusual noises at one point in that in that uh, awaken trailer, particularly when the when the thunder goes off, all around the room. Um, but, but otherwise uh yeah i mean these are the, these are the first receivers on the market with them um, with um some of the first receivers on the market at least with uh, with atmos and and certainly it's been well reproduced and and uh, all three of them were, were very impressive
2: um one of the things that really impressed us when we went to galaxy studios to see um Auro 3D was the upmixing capabilities um of all yes. um is Dolby Atmos does it have that that capability no. on the receivers no, you're looking at no
1: no there isn't any sort of Dolbyizing uh, feature on these receivers, at least, and I haven't really, I haven't been aware of any. there have been no demos or mentions of it from Dolby themselves. I, I, I think don't the Yamaha's
0: think... got a proprietary system.
1: Yeah, yeah, but it's not Dolby. That you can do, uh, you can do the Yamaha, you know, DSP where they'll start using the height speakers and this sort of stuff. But in terms of Dolby itself, it doesn't have a feature that Auro does do. Was what are they called? The Auralizer. Auralizer, right? yeah,
2: yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, where, where they will take, even even down to, a, and we heard this, didn't we, uh, Phil? Uh, well, even I mean, a the, mono the, source. <laughs> yeah,
2: I mean, it's, it sounds like, yeah, yeah, it's something that we've heard for the last 20 years from the likes of Yamaha and that, you know, DSP effects and all the rest of it. When you hear the Oro thing, it absolutely blew me away. I've never heard anything like it because it was so realistic from a mono source. You thought that that had been recorded in stereo. Um because it's doing things it's not just adding an echo you know like most of these these uh you know cinema features or surround features you switch them on and it just gives you an echo effect um this actually works in the timing domain so it tries to work out um sound reflections through um through really advanced algorithms um and it just sounds really natural and it sounds like it's a stereo mix. I mean, we, no, no word or lie, we had to pick our jaws up off the floor.
1: Yeah. I mean, we're pretty jaded, all right? I mean, we've, we've seen and heard a lot of stuff over the years, but both of us sat there with our mouths agape going like that. That's really impressive. I've got to say, the the application of technology these days in terms of the audio side of things is becoming more and more impressive. Um, As an example, uh, on Friday, I was uh, given a demonstration of a new um, wireless speaker, just a little tiny box, you know, probably about four inches by four inches by a company called Mass Fidelity. And the sound it was producing, the sense of stereo separation it was delivering was quite staggering. I I, I honestly, at one point I had it sat on top of the centre speaker in the home cinema and if I closed my eyes and no one had told me that box was there, I'd have just assumed my two floor standards were working. It it was really that impressive and I was going, how how would you do this and don't say it's magic because that's not going to wash. But they were saying, you know, they were using what they call wave wave field synthesis and um it was quite amazing. The, the sense of stereo separation, Also, you could stand up and move around either side. And if you move to the left, you could still hear the right stereo sound. You know, it wasn't, everything was just falling down to one side or the other. Um, really quite impressive use of technology. And, and you've seen this more and more now. And, and you know, some of it might well be psychoacoustic and it might, I mean, again with Dolby and their upward firing speakers, they're not just bouncing sounds off the scene. They're also claiming to use a certain amount of like psychoacoustic technology in order to make the sense of overhead sound created from upward firing speakers. And, you know, I, I, I don't know what Ed's opinion on this is, but certainly, you know, it, it, some of the some of the applications that are being applied here really are very, very impressive.
0: Well, yeah, it's um, you know it's easy to be sniffy about it, but uh, the name Muso that I tested comparatively recently using similar similar processing, and it, the thing is that I'm not wildly keen on the concept of it when you can hear the processing at work, but when it's done properly, you don't. It just sounds oddly big from and an, an oddly spacious from, from a single point. And it, it doesn't surprise me to learn that there's other people doing it with, with, with equal you know, equal skill. And as I say, when when you encounter it being done properly, it is it is quite something. The problem is when you encounter it not being done properly, it can often sound like a bag of spanners. Can I ask a layman's question? Go for it.
4: With regards to this technology of kind of bouncing sounds around the room, how much does the room play a part in that? I mean, when you've demoed this, obviously, you know. Massive. Yeah, I, that's yeah. what I'm thinking, which is the technology can be there, but in the average living room, I mean, suppose you've got lots of kind of sofas. And well, I mean, of- if,
2: if you think about the average living room, though, and you, and you think about looking up at the average ceiling, um, most of them are a flat, uh, a flat space where you could bounce sound. You know, there's very few that'll have material, or um, there's very few that have really high ceilings. Um, like a barn conversion, it wouldn't work in a barn conversion because you, you know you got fifty feet to the ceiling. But in a normal um, UK living room, I think if you if you're averaging it, Mark, then I think the vast majority will all be similar in the fact that they have um, a boarded ceiling that's plastered, and in those circumstances, the speaker would work. It's when you start getting into high ceilings, vaulted ceilings, um, uh, loft conversions, barn conversions. That's where it starts to fall on its on its face. I think. Correct me if I'm wrong, Steve. You've heard them.
1: No, that would that, that would be absolutely correct. It's interesting when the guys from Math fidelity were describing how the speaker works, and I was thinking, well, that's all well and good in my lounge, which is. Quite bright and it's got lots of reflective surfaces. And I'm sure it'll sound, it'll work very effectively in there. I said, "Well, what about in the home cinema, which is quite is far more dampened and and a, a le, you know a less lively sound?" And they said, "And they, were, they said, no, no, it work, work in there too." And, and we played it in the lounge first, where it worked very well. And then, to my surprise, it was equally as effective in in the home cinema. So I think that there are, you know, there are. Uh, technologies that can work better in, in less ideal environments, but you're right, Philip. It's a big bulk conversion with a very high ceiling. Those upward firing speakers are not going to work properly, yeah, because uh, the, they've got nothing to bounce off of. It's just too far away. You, know, you, can't, you can't do so much with technology. You can't. It isn't ultimately, in the end of the day, actually magic.
2: No, it's it's trying to solve solve a problem of putting speakers on the ceiling because, again, you're you're the only person that can really answer this, Steve, because you're the only person in, out of all of us that's experimented with this, but. Um, upward firing versus actually having a speaker up there. I, I mean, I imagine having a speaker actually up there works better. It gives you a better sense of what's going on.
1: Yeah, I mean, I was uh, I was lucky enough to uh, have a demo of both overhead and upward firing speakers at Dobby's offices, and I won't I won't lie that I thought the upper firing speakers were surprisingly effective, but and at times you did struggle thinking, is that coming from above? But um, when they actually did play stuff I um using the, the overhead speakers themselves, there was a you know you definitely got a greater sense of overhead sound. I mean it, they work to a degree and and are they're surprisingly effective. But I, I still think, you know, if you're a you know an enthusiast and you wanna to go to the full hog and you're in and you really wanna get the full Atmos experience, you really need to actually put speakers above above you. Um if you can,
3: obviously. Would something like that uh, musical fidelity could it be adapted for Atmos? So you could have like one, one, like a unit, as it were, and it could project four speakers outwards in, in, in sort of a, a convincing way. Might that be an answer? A sing, like a single speaker that projects four ways. That can oh, be well. apply, applying that kind of technology to, to the solution of well, uh, uh, you it. Th- uh, yeah,
2: yeah, I think you're starting to talk about physics now, and we all know that physics has no part in in anything that we do. So. let's
1: move on. <laughs> we'll come back to physics later when we get to it. We choose not to believe in gravity. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, no it's magic. Uh so Steve Dolby Atmos obviously magic. Um you're quite impressed with it.
1: Yeah. Uh bottom line I was very impressed with it. I'm I'm looking forward to hopefully getting you know some more Blu-rays released and uh see what they sound like but uh so far so very good.
2: Okay, we were going to talk about smart TVs we're going to have to do that next week because we're running fast out of time. Uh but upcoming reviews uh what do you have Mark?
3: I have next one up will be EE TV, which is EE's uh, TV box as a rival to Sky etc. But it's only available to EE uh, broadband customers. Uh, really good though. Uh, more to come. Probably when the well, should hopefully when the uh, podcast is published, the review will be up. Uh, I've got the um, Kindle uh, Fire TV, Amazon Fire TV coming this week. Um, I've got a Samsung H sixty five hundred tv and lg's music flow wireless music system which has been up and running all weekend and that's pretty good too
2: so is that lg's uh, sonos is it
3: lg's sonos yeah very good LG <laughs> sonos the samsung m7 system which is
2: right. um well you see i was i was playing you know devil's advocate there but uh, it just shows you how much of a lead sonos has yeah. that people always refer to it as oh I like sonos
3: yeah, it very much likes on
2: And as soon as you say, oh, it likes on us, people know what you're talking about.
3: Yeah. yeah. And it's good. Well, I got it working. Is,
1: what are, they, are they the L3, the
3: L5, and the L7? It's H3, H5, H7, compared really? to Samsung's and, and, and M3, <laughs> M3, <laughs> M5, M3, M3, M5, and m 7 It's uncanny. And even the, the, little, um, the little box you attach to your router, it's identical. So it's, it's identical in every way. But I could say the LG sound better to me than the, the Samsung equivalent.
2: Uh, it's, it's that magic again, Mark
3: Yes, a bit of magic, a bit of LG magic
2: bit of music flow, right uh, mm-hmm. And uh, Steve, you've got, uh, it's at last, hopefully, uh, a flagship Panasonic turn up this month
1: Yeah, the AX902, which I got a demo of uh, at their offices a couple of weeks ago will, Should be coming in for review, I guess, t- towards the end of this month um and on Thursday I'll be getting LG, speaking of LG, their uh their latest OLED TV. So I'm quite looking forward to that.
2: I was to ask you, um, is is that is that the cheapy one? Is that the two grand one?
1: No, no, that the two grand one's the one we've already reviewed, the one we reviewed uh at the beginning of the year. Not the four K one that's supposed to be coming out uh soon. You see, there's as there's well.
2: there's that many OLED TVs supposedly coming from LG, I get confused.
1: Yeah. Anyway, this is this is the uh, EC930 which which um, is the full HD um, OLED TV. Um I th- I believe the price is 3999 uh, new. Uh, I'm sure that dropped drop pretty quickly after Christmas. And um you know, I mean given how impressed I was with the uh, previous um uh, the one that is currently available for 2999 by the way, so if you're looking for a bargain, I'd recommend it highly. I've got a reference badge. I'm expecting good things from this. Okay. And this obviously this is the newer version, so you've got the same kind of benefits of OLED, but you've also got things like WebOS built into it and that kind of stuff. So so it should be a very impressive TV.
2: Ed, are you doing anything?
0: Yeah, probably <laughs> near the end of the month. Uh, but no, um, uh, to, to I've explained, um, uh, I've been working on the, the, the Tidal copy. I'm actually waiting on having a proper chat with someone from Tidal about how certain processes work to make sure that the review is actually jam-packed with useful information. Um, there will be um, uh, some Australian earphones because I feel that Australia has been cruelly underrepresented in what we've covered so far and uh, towards very much towards the end of the month there will be a uh, a small get together of less expensive AV receivers you know Withers is busy doing the champagne stuff Um, I shall be doing something a little bit more uh, beer budget um, and and, and seeing what you get at that sort of price point
2: Okay, Is there anything games wise? How do you mean? Uh, do you know what's as coming you- up? I don't know what's happened to you, but you've gone really weird. Speak again. Hello. Yeah. You've, you've got a sort of
0: farting closet. follow crackle. All
4: right.
0: <laughs> 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 I think he's in the last Hobbit movie as well. <laughs> <laughs> do
4: you want uh, to drop me and bring me back or something.
2: Yeah, we're going to sort of mark out. We'll be back in a second with games news. Right, uh, games news. Uh, First of all, you have a podcast coming up this week.
4: Yes, uh, Games Poddy this week. We should be recording it tomorrow, so um, fingers crossed we can get through a lot of stuff. Um, Mass Effect 4, concept art, and possibility of an HD remake of the original trilogy. Um, Also, Sony have uh, finally rolled out their share play feature, and there's been a kind of minor controversy about some games blocking it. Um, Drive Club... The launch woes of that, um, Grand Theft Auto V, you've got a first-person shooter mode, and obviously they've released um, some videos showing the HD makeover, and that's starting to tempt people. And no doubt we'll also be discussing what we've reviewed, so Sunset Overdrive. Hopefully Leon's played us a, a lot of Call of Duty Advanced Warfare by that point, and if anyone's managed to make it out to the shops on that day, Halo Master Chief Collection. Pending a visit to the shop. I like that. Yeah, yes, exactly. Pending anyone wanting to actually go stand and queue up, although it might come in the post. Never know. Just get it on Amazon. <laughs> yeah, I suppose you could. That's not as fun. Well, I for one am looking forward to it. Said with enthusiasm. Well, I don't say anything with enthusiasm. <laughs> so why, 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 why?
1: <laughs> I'm looking forward to Grand Theft Auto Five and on the PS4.
4: I, I I was I was happy to let it slide by, but then they showed. Just how much of a makeover it's had. Um, and it looks fantastic.
3: Yeah, it does. That, video, that, that comparison video, you'd make, you mean
4: me. Yeah, yeah. yeah it does
3: look amazing, doesn't it? Yeah,
4: the trees and all the, the kind of added detail. Because it was one of the best-looking games of the last generation anyway. Um, and I, I think I, along with a lot of other kind of cynical people, just assumed that it was just another, you know, give it a little bit of a polish and then just kind of throw it out there and you'll make money. But... You know, certainly the, the first-person shooter mode. Yeah,
3: that first-person mode looks, looks incredibly good.
4: Yeah, it, it, it really does. It, it's the kind of thing that you'd think if, if someone kind of put that on, say, like a modded version on PC or something, it would look slightly clunky. But, you know, certainly in the driving sections as well, it, you know, that should be spectacular because some of the best moments in the game for me were kind of going down a mountainside on a motorbike and kind of flying 60 feet in the air. Um, and it, the thought of doing that from a first-person perspective, yeah, it's definitely tempting me.
0: It might be too real. You might have an episode. <laughs> uh, I think I'll be able to
4: see where the lines between reality and fiction are there.
0: Um, so, uh, obviously, I will wait to the podcast. I, I have to say, Drive Club had me umming and ahhing about inevitably buying another another PlayStation to gather dust like I have with the previous three um is it to say brief brief synopsis it say it doesn't actually work at the moment or it's just got some just just stuff which is an annoyance rather than it's actually ko'd i
4: I think it's kind of a a a mix of of both it's uh, some people are reporting kind of bigger connectivity problems as is always the case than others yeah you know we had this with Battlefield 4 where some people said oh it's fine Um, the occasional dropout others said they just couldn't connect but it does seem like the 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 central club feature um, and various problems with kind of syncing up are there fairly consistently Um, so it's just one of those kind of sad launches where you just think They've obviously tried to make sure that it it was ready, but you can never fully account for what will happen with everyone's network and something obviously was wrong there. Um, And it's just kind of killed this idea that, um, should we say, Sony was on, on an equal footing with Microsoft when it comes to the online multiplayer experience. I think it's probably pushed a few people towards an Xbox One because people always kind of had that view, which was, well, if you're going to play multiplayer, you stick with Microsoft. And they were kind of touting dedicated servers and the like for this generation. Um, but the the silver lining with Drive Club is the fact that they've, depending on how you look at it, it's either the silver lining or a kick in the nuts. But they've said that the PlayStation Plus edition is basically on hold for the moment. Now, that's obviously poor for anyone who's, who's just kind of redeemed a... a a subscription voucher for you know the next few months or something assuming that this was going to come out but it does give them a second chance to kind of almost make that first impression where if if you give it away free people will play it so if it releases in six months and it's perfect Mm. and everyone just says, well, I'll download it anyway, then there's a chance that, should we say, the franchise isn't dead before it's even started because anyone will play something if it's free and it looks good enough, which this does. So, you know, even people who were slightly you know, cynical about it and saying that, you know, Sony have completely copped up, you'll still download it and give it a try if you own the console and you've got that subscription anyway. Yeah, fair enough. Well,
0: we'll we shall see.
4: Other than that, um, just quick plug. Manny should have his Bayonetta 2 review up for the time this goes out, and Leon's still deep into Call of Duty Advanced Warfare, and hopefully he'll be starting a rolling review for Master Chief Collection as well.
2: And of course, you've got your Games Podcast as well.
4: Yes, indeed, Games Poddy as well.
2: Okay, so is that the Games News? That is. So moving on, it's movie news and uh, the age-old question is, what's at the cinema, Steve?
1: Well, this week, one of the biggest releases of the year, the long-awaited uh, new film from Christopher Nolan, uh, Interstellar, starring Matthew McConaughey and Anne Hathaway. Um, and I have to say that in a film about the effects of relativity, Nolan has proved that he can make three hours feel like about three days. It, it it may well be a noble effort. It may have, you know, aspiration to be an intelligent film about Realistic space travel, relativity, and black holes and wormholes, etc. But somewhere along the line, someone forgot to make it fun. It's quite boring at times. And I'm into space. I like space movies, and I'm in, you know, into space travel, and I've been a fan of it since I was a kid. So this is I'm basically his target market. Even I was sitting there, I think, like... I mean, for the first 45 minutes, they don't even get off Earth. They're just wandering around in dust bowls and knocking about in cornfields. And you're thinking, like, get on with it. Get into space. And then they finally do get into space and then you know they can get back to earth <laughs> well yeah quite <laughs> um you know it does the same thing as 2000 it desperately wants to be 2001 and yet somehow 2001 is infinitely more exciting um but like, like 2001 it's, it's and like gravity as well they treat it realistically so in space there's no sound so there's no sound in the outside shots you only get sound when you're inside a spaceship which is fine but it's got this awful awful score Oh, he yeah, seems to be right. using a giant church organ half time that is just grating and every time in action scenes that are are um you know are, are sort of scored to this terrible score just they feel like it's going on in slow motion. It's, I mean, Nolan's never been particularly good at doing action scenes per se and, and even the stuff that's meant to be exciting this just comes across as somewhat deathly dull. Uh, it, it's got stuff I mean also for a film that's meant to be about realism there are some stuff in it, even I with my limited abilities, you know, limited knowledge of relativity you knows bollocks. So they go to a planet that's very close to a black hole and therefore apparently one hour on the planet is seven years on Earth. Well, for that to happen, you have to be so close to the black hole that you'd be crushed by the gravity and you would be able to escape because it would be that you'd have to be going faster than light. So that's just... Silly, and uh, and even if that was true, knowing that fact, why would they go to that planet when there were two others they could go to that wouldn't have the same problems? Uh, it just seemed ludicrous. When there were, you know, it's a desperate race to save mankind. The Dark The Dark Knight's a great film. The Dark Knight Rises was cobblers, and everyone knows that. And this this isn't going to be the big hit everyone's hoping it's going to be. I don't think. I think it's going to lose out in word of mouth. I think it's um it's trying to be too clever for a mass audience, but it's not being entertaining enough. I mean, in, if you look at um, Inception, that was quite a clever film, but it was also quite entertaining. Um, this is, is, is relatively clever, in, well, it thinks, thinks it's clever, but I don't think it's entertaining enough. Inception's
4: um, popcorn-munching sci-fi, though, isn't it? Yeah, that's great. It, it, yeah, oh, yeah, it, it's, it's perfect at that, you know, but it just, I, I, I never fully understand when people say, oh, it, but it's terribly complex and it, it's, it's thought-provoking. It, it's not. It, it's good genre sci-fi. It's relatively, yeah, for a you know, big-budget some of the movie
1: is reasonably intelligent it certainly has more of a it makes you think a bit more than your average blockbuster would i mean you haven't seen transformers age of extinction if you want to see just how dumb something can actually be um so the effects are fantastic i mean and you know obviously i'd recommend if you're going to go and see instead go and to see it on the biggest screen you can because a lot of it was shot with as we were saying last week shot with imax screens and 65 mil um so yeah, I'm sure it does look spectacular at times, but it, it, there's just too much in it where you think that's just stupid, um, and that's not as clever as it thinks it is. And um, and also, I think uh, um, Ed's wife, um, who is quite knowledgeable in astrophysics, has pointed out that a lot of the so-called science is wrong as well.
0: Yeah, it, it boils Ed? down to it boils down to something called the accretion disk around the black hole, um, which is is treated with scant respect as i understand it in the film i mean put like this the, the the function the accretion disc is gas spinning around the before it then circles the plug hole mm. and goes in and it gets hot enough to emit x-rays so it's it's not something that anything made by man is going to stand up to particularly well um, and I understand no. that they play fast and loose with this. Um, they do. But-
1: I mean, they do represent a black hole quite well because the thing about a black hole is it's, it's obviously not a hole. It's a three-dimensional object, so it's more like a black sphere yeah. with an accretion disk actually orbiting around it. But obviously the accretion disk on the far side of the black hole, as you're looking at it, is obviously being distorted by space-time. So they ha- have probably done the most realistic representation of a black hole seen in a film to date. Which is good. Same with the wormhole. Again, it's three. Dimensions. It's not just a hole; it's a three-dimensional object. That's really <laughs> good too. But yeah, well, this is it. You know, and they, and and don't forget me. wrong, the film will stop at various times whilst this kind of stuff is explained to the to the characters in the film, and then by virtue of that to the audience. Um, it's it's
4: just uh, yeah.
1: Uh, it's I, I was disappointed, and I've been looking forward to this film for two years. So for me, it was a big disappointment.
4: But do you think a significant amount of people are going to
0: actually care about any of that stuff? Pass, but I don't. But I, it, it strikes me that it, it it doesn't quite sit happily for either people that are really committed to, re, you know, hardcore science fiction, and people who are looking for an evening's entertainment. It it doesn't seem yeah. it, it's trying to trying to appeal to both, and has limited appeal to to as a result of that to anybody it's it's just you know let's face it for me i differ very strongly from my wife here but if i want to see science fiction yeah it's much more in the uh inception or let's face it even even you know when we get get down to it you know the, the star trek sort of stuff you know none of this pissing about black holes business let's just go faster than the speed of light because otherwise we can't go anywhere useful boff thank you very much job done and yeah i i just i i don't know i think i think it finds itself in a very awkward position and it's three and a bit hours long or whatever.
3: Which is it's just... three hours long.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's just, you know, in order to be realistic, you have to accept the fact that in order to get from the Earth to Saturn, which is where the wormhole appears, that they're going to go through. I mean, that takes two years. And it felt like the film took two years to get there. Um, they also go to suspend animation for a lot of these long parts of these journeys, but there's no explanation as to how that's achieved. It's just like they're in a tank of water, which seems a bit strange. You
0: know, and drown. Yeah, they'd go all wrinkly.
1: Yeah, quite. It's going to be terrible when you get out of that after, like, two years of it.
0: Okay. Well, uh, all
1: I can say is I thought that uh, uh, Kaz's review, which went up over uh, a week ago now, um, was a bit generous by giving it a nine out of ten. I certainly wouldn't have called it a nine out of ten movie. I'd said maybe a seven. I certainly I admire the ambition, and it's, it looks quite impressive at times, and the effects are very impressive, and the cast is very good. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it I if it, it, it falls short of its goal, uh, and it just isn't entire... If you look at Armageddon, Armageddon is scientific bollocks but it is a wildly entertaining movie. This is like watching a science report um, perform <laughs> done badly. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'd say a 7 out of 10 um, at best.
4: I hate Armageddon.
1: Mm. <laughs> oh, I love Armageddon. I mean, what, who wouldn't want to send Bruce Willis to get the world's best deep core oil driller and send him to that asteroid? <laughs> I'd
4: like don't to fire take, Ben
1: Affleck into an asteroid.
2: Astra. I don't think, it, But he was. <laughs> the only problem is he survived.
0: Yeah. The thing is that Armageddon benefited from the fact that Deep Impact came out at the same time. Which was rubbish. It's Which just was the so one that was trying to be worthy. serious and boring yeah. and worthy. <laughs> you know, let's face it, if you are if we are threatened with extinction we might as well have a laugh. Yeah.
1: yeah Under I, a I, I want Bruce Willis up there. <laughs> Saving the world. They
0: should have had him just wearing a vest anyway.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, what, with a helmet.
0: Like I'm too old for this asteroid. Like the bloke <laughs> in the moon in future Yeah. <laughs>
2: Uh well we we've been uh, coming up with some quotes there. Um obviously we always start the podcast with quotes. Um and quite an interesting thing in the telegraph uh was it this week or last week Steve
1: um that this article Last week just after we recorded the last week's podcast this was um the telegraph. <laughs>
0: <laughs> That's the uh, news cycle it. hasn't adjusted to the fact that we are now the focal point of the nation's yeah, and, and and that we nation interest. Yeah, re-
1: and we record
2: on a Monday afternoon, so all news has to happen before Monday afternoon.
4: Yeah, remember that next time, royal babies. <laughs> so
1: anyway, this article, Steve. Uh, yeah, it basically listed, um, there, there was a, a poll for asking the, you know, the British populace What their favourite film quotes were, and um, the top ten film quotes of all time, according to this poll, according to the average British punter. uh, Number one. No, I'll do it in reverse. Actually, before
3: before
2: we do that, um, you know, we have to be scientific about everything that we do, Steve. So, how many people were in the
1: poll? Two thousand five hundred votes. I think statistically that's considered a big enough poll.
2: It is. Yeah, I think a thousand is considered a big enough group for populace. Okay, you may go ahead. You may proceed. Okay.
1: This, this is according to this poll the top ten film quotes of all time. And uh, number ten, and I'm very, I'm sure Mark um, Hodginson will agree with me here. Uh, I'm, I'm also, by the way, my box set finally arrived today. But number ten, we want the finest wines available to humanity. We want them here. And we want them now. From Withnell and I, is that even the best quote in Withnell? No, it's not. But I, I'm just glad to see a quote from Withnell and I make the top yeah, ten. I, I would, I would
2: imagine that, that the vast majority of quotes have swearing in the Mark. As yes, well, that's so. the problem with, with yeah, no, yeah, and yeah, I. that's yeah. true <laughs> <laughs> it's one of the things I noticed. straight away.
1: Are you a sponge or a stone? That would work. <laughs> uh, number nine, Nobody's Perfect, of course, from some Like Hot, The Last lines on Like Hot, which is very funny. Uh, number eight, another one I'm glad to see here. All those moments we lost in time, like Tears and Rain from Lady Runner. Uh, number seven, very funny. Infamy, infamy, they've all got it infamy <laughs> from Carry On Cleo. Number six, Frankly, My Dear, I Don't Give a Damn from Gone With the Wind. And number five, and I'm sure you'll like this one, Phil, You're Going to Need a Bigger Boat. <laughs> From Jaws.
2: Which was a complete lib.
1: Yeah, not even in the script. So a nice, nice one, Roy Scheider. Number four, he's not the Messiah. He's just a very naughty boy. Uh, from Life of Brian, the disc that we're not giving away in the competition. <laughs> <laughs> Number three, say hello to my little friend. <laughs> Actually, Mark Popright should do this because he does quite a good Al Pacino.
4: <laughs> I refuse.
1: <laughs> uh, of the obviously, podcast. from Scarface. Number two, you're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off. Obviously, Michael Caine and the Italian Job. And uh, number one, To Infinity and Beyond from Toy Story.
2: Really? To Infinity
1: and Beyond? Well, I guess a few kids must have answered that. But, uh, I, but actually, Toy Story's uh, nearly 20 years old now, isn't it? Which is making me feel really quite old. But you are really old. Yeah, there's a <laughs> reason. Yeah. Oh, I, I don't want to be reminded of that fact.
0: <laughs> Did you see that link that was posted and it was in the general chat for that you're getting old website no you slap your birthday in and then it gives you a very depressing statistic about something that you assumed happened a million years ago actually happened closer to the date of your birth than the present (laughs) in my case it was the publishing of the diary of anne frank happened closer to when i was born than now which is (laughs) depressing
1: Ed, I can uh, I can probably say that the outbreak of World War One is closer. <laughs> sorry, World War II is closer to
0: mine. No, you uh, were right World first one. I think that was an, an interesting slip of the tongue there. Yeah. A so yeah, but I can't even remember what we're talking about now. That's film quotes. <laughs>
2: <laughs> All right, uh, your your most favourite film quotes. Uh, just to wrap up, so let's go to Mark Botwright first.
4: Um, what from this list, or just? Just, just Ever. any, anything. You, uh, what you think I, should be in
1: there?
4: I like the end of Butch Cassidy and the Sundance Kid. Uh, for a moment there, I thought we were in trouble. Okay,
3: <laughs> yeah, it's a good one. Hodge. Um, as we, well, it's with, from Withner, then I, so it is probably unbroadcastable. But it starts, Monty, you terrible beat. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, Mr. Sally. <laughs> Don't know. Possibly Apocalypse Now. Never get out of the boat. It just holds up so well as an actual metaphor for my entire existence.
2: <laughs> well, I mean, the one um, I'd, I'd like to use uh, as mine, um, I can't use it because it's full of the C words. Um, so I'll just say,
1: it's shite being Scottish, Tommy. Steve? I'm going to go for the same film as, uh, as Ed. I'm going to go for Apocalypse Now and say, I love the smell of napalm in the morning. It's the smell of victory. Smells like victory.
3: Oh, sorry, Ed. <laughs> it smells <like> victory. <laughs> It's so much your favourite you don't know it. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> it was more the first part than the second part, anyway. All, all right, okay. In that case, then I'll go for the thing, and you're gonna have to get the bleeping no, machine out again. No, this you, one. you only
2: get one. No, you only
1: get one number uh, f- <laughs> three. I'm gonna go. I'm going for that one too, which is the bit when he, when they see the head with the legs, and then he goes, "You gotta be fucking kidding."
4: <laughs> I do like Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back, though. That's got and, some Marty quotes. And though. after it's done, you say, "Oh, what a lovely tea party."
0: You never. <laughs> <laughs> What's it, the Will Ferrell one? You know. Uh, Uh, evil man only on the outside
2: (laughs) 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 and uh, just very quickly to wrap up this week uh, Blu-rays that are coming out we don't need a full review Steve so just tell us which one you would pick out of 22 Jump Street How to Train Your Dragon 2 or Transformers Age of Extinction in Dolby Atmos
1: 22 Jump Street very funny
2: okay so that is it for the podcast this week my thanks to Steve Withers
3: that isn't flying that's falling with style Mark Hodgkinson wait a minute I just listened to Rocket. Rockets explode.
4: Mark right. The Claw chooses who will go and who will stay.
0: And Ed Selly. I have to, really. To infinity and beyond. <laughs>
2: Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter and Facebook, Bookmark bookmarkavforums.com for latest reviews, news and video. And please leave us a rating on iTunes if you enjoyed the show. It helps the ratings um, on the podcast. It helps us climb the charts and it helps us uh, get more people, uh, more victims, uh, no, sorry, more listeners to come and uh, listen to the podcast. I'm Phil Hinton. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you again next Wednesday.
4: Surprised no one went with, how dare you open a spaceman's helmet on an uncharted planet?
1: <laughs> I think I get that. <laughs> I think that might have been a line in Interstellar. Interstellar. (laughs)